There are many um, blessings to the marriage retreat, as I said. We've been the last two years. Our little daughter Lucy is one of those blessings. I won't expand on that. Probably shouldn't have said that. Summer in the Psalms, carry on. Psalm 37 is where we are. I'm not looking at my wife right now. <laughs> She's like ducking out, going to get a cupcake. Alright, um, Psalm 37 is where we are this morning. So continue a summer in the Psalms. We're going to look at reasons to stop worrying so much. Not that any of us struggle with worrying, right? Psalm 37. We're just going to read. I'm going to skip around a little bit. We'll start with verses 1 through 11, if you'll follow with me. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from evil and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves. Tends only to evil. The evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Skip to verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now I am old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. He is ever lending generously. His children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Lastly, verse 39 and 40. The salvation of the Lord of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Let's pray once more. God, many of us, as you know our hearts in all things, come this morning anxious, fretting over things going on in our lives. And and so many of us come with so little expectation that you have the power to do anything about that. And we ask your forgiveness for that and, and ask that you would show up despite our disbelief and be gracious to us. And through the good news of the gospel and your sweet future promises for us, would you help us to trust you? In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had those days and weeks and maybe just seasons of life where you just things just didn't go as planned, right? Um, 
there are many good movies made off of uh, of this theme, right? Um, Christmas Vacation. The Griswolds uh, go out to get starting like with a Christmas tree and tree's too big and everything goes wrong as the, all the family gets there. Um, another one was uh, Meet the Parents, uh, Meeting the In-Laws, Everything Goes Wrong for Him. Uh, recently, there was one called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Um, some of you may feel like uh, some of those movies describe uh, what's going on in your life. Difficulty, everything seems not to be going the way you expected it to go. David here in Psalm 37, um, we're not really sure what season of life he was in, but no doubt he went through some extremely difficult times. Life wasn't exactly what he expected. Kingship was not exactly what he expected. And it seems here in the psalm that he's battling through some of those feelings. I'm not sure I expected it to go this way. He says, in the very beginning of verse 1, he says, Do not fret. Reveals what his heart is is battling with. The word literally means to be heated. It, it, so it's not just worrying, but it's it's frustration on top of worrying. It's anxiety with with the anger that goes along with it. It's, we might say it's being worked up or heated about something. And this makes sense. Often, often anxiety and anger go together if you think about it. So if you're really anxious about your finances, for example, you, you probably get really angry when something breaks or if your spouse spends too much money on something or if you don't get kind of a promotion you wanted at work or something like that. If, if you worry, um, if you're anxious about your house being clean all the time, then you, you might get irritable at your kids when they leave things out quite often. Uh, or when your roommate or spouse doesn't clean up after themselves. I just saw several people nudge their person next to them. <laughs> Most of us live with this type of, with the anxiety that, that leads into frustration and, and even anger, maybe even outbursts of anger or shutting down. Because this is a huge issue, we're going to look at this the next two weeks. And this week we're going to look, we're going to focus on fretting over um, what we have or maybe don't have, people and possessions in our lives. Next week, we're going to look at how we often fret over who we are or where we are in life, actually, or, or where we want to be in life, our purpose and our plans for our lives. The psalm sh- says both, but this, this week we'll look at what we have and don't, fr- don't have. So two things we'll look at is simply um, what David shows here is about fretting. Reasons we fret... And then the power to stop fretting. So let's look at a couple of reasons why we fret. Three specific deep-rooted heart issues behind much of our anger, our anxiety that leads into anger, what we would call fretting here. Number one, our misplaced expectations. Misplaced expectations. Verse one, David is warning against fretting over evildoers. In verse seven, he shows why uh, part of the problem They seem to be prospering, even though they're full of injustice and wrongdoing. You know about that? You see somebody, they they always have the newest gadgets, and they have the best clothes, and and, uh, they have everything they want, and they seem to care nothing about God. They're not doing anything good. They seem to be maybe even getting it through the wrong means. And you say, what about me? I'm I'm doing everything right. I'm having my quiet time. Um... 
you know, I'm trying to be good to people and, and nothing's going right. It's a common expectation that good things will happen to good people. But as we know, that's not always the case. Expectations are huge. Misplaced expectations can be the source of, of major fretting in our lives. Let me, let me give you an example of a misplaced expectation or how expectations are, are big. Miriam and I stayed in one of the nicer hotels in, in um, Memphis for our, for our honeymoon. And um, something, we couldn't remember, right, we were just thinking about this recently on our anniversary, but something wasn't right with the room. We couldn't, we can't even remember what it was, but it caused us to switch rooms. It's probably somewhat small, but see, we went into a really nice hotel with high expectations. And, uh, when it wasn't right, we, we moved rooms. But the year before that, I took my parents to Brazil and we, we missed our flight, return flight. And, um, so we had to book real quick. We had an early morning flight and we had to book a, a, a really cheap hotel in the middle of the city. Um, it was really cheap. It, you know, it was, it was, uh, we had really low expectations going into this, this little motel thing. And it met all of them. <laughs> it was so ratty. I mean, with little things running around and we're basically on cots and, but you know, it was hard to complain. We kind of got what we paid for. We went in with really low expectations. Now, if they would have said, hey, listen here, this is the honeymoon suite. This thing is awesome. You know. And then we went into the room and we, we had all that. What would have happened? I mean, there would have been a little bit of anger, <laughs> a little bit of fretting through the night. Let me actually make it a little bit more personal. You know, it's a confession. I, I went into my marriage um, with an unspoken expectation. I, I probably didn't even really realize it about myself, but I, I really expected to be uh, respected in a way that I would never be criticized or challenged. <laughs> and she's met that expectation, so we'll go on. <laughs> you know, so when I, when I was criticized or challenged, and by the way, that was because of my pride. But when I was, um, I, I felt anxiety over that. And then what came next? I mean, anger. Uh, a defense of myself. And my overflow reaction to that fretting was, was anger that led to just me shutting down and even removing my, my emotions towards her sometimes. Many of us fret when we, we do the same things in other areas of life. Of life. Uh, in other relationships, you, you know, you, you may expect to be treated a certain way, and when you're not, it just leads to a fretting over that relationship. You're just anxiety around that person. They're a spouse or a boss or a friend or a teacher. At work, you may expect to be successful more so than you are now. Or maybe at school, and you, just, you aren't for whatever reason, and, and you just you fret when you fail or don't pass a test or don't get the promotion or credit you think you deserved. At home, you expect to be re- respected by your spouse, your children, and, and, and your children just aren't as behaved as you want them to be, and you fret when they don't behave. You get angry. We have to have right expectations, we see here. We live in a world that is a sinful world. We live with other sinners, and we live with our own great sin inside. Of us, not to mention the devil is constantly in pursuit of us failing, and that's the world we live in. Jesus wanted us to have right expectations. In our UPC reading plan last week, um, there's a place I came across where, where a man comes up to Jesus. You may have read it if you're going through the plan, but he says, "Jesus, I, I will follow you wherever you go." 
And Jesus is like, okay, that's great. Awesome. That's great. Um, but I, hey, real quick, did you know that I'm homeless? Like, I don't have a place to put my head down. Um, just want to make sure you know that before you, you commit. You know, I'm sure his disciples were kind of standing next to him saying like, uh, Jesus, you need to go some, to some, you know, leadership seminars, man. Like, this didn't, it's not gathering the crowds, right? You don't usually admit that. Jesus' disciples had really high expectations about Jesus. Of his becoming king now and establishing his kingdom over Rome now. And Jesus says things like this. He stops him and, you know, you almost imagine when he's walking through, he just says, well, hey guys, let me just, let me just stop you for a second. Uh, let me make sure you know where this is all going to end. I, I, several times he says this. I'm going to be beat up. He mentions being spit on. That's pretty shameful. Um, I'm going to die and this is not going to end well momentarily. I'm not establishing a kingdom right now. And, and guess what? If, if they're going to do this to me, guess what they're also going to do to you? I want you to have right expectations. Matthew 10, he says, look, I'm sending you out a sheep among, not shepherds, among wolves. You'll potentially be hated by all, including your family. And many a Christian is experiencing this around the world even today. We must remember as Christians, Jesus said to follow him means denying yourself, he said. Taking up a cross, a form of execution, daily. And even losing your life. And, and, and this encourages us as Christians. We cannot, we must not buy into the American dream of expectations and set our expectations that we will receive it all this side of heaven. That, that life will be lived in the honeymoon suite here. We're not at home yet. And the second reason we fret goes, takes us a little bit deeper than misplaced expectations. It goes to our misplaced desires. Verse 1b shows why these wrong expectations come up in us. It shows our heart problem. It, it says we actually envy those who have everything, who are living the American dream. We envy them, he says. Verse 1. We Christians, you see, we often think like the world. We have, that, that seems to be having, that has everything that makes them happy. Let me say the obvious here. Um, desire is not bad, right? Um, God created it, a, in, it in us. Verse 4 actually commands us to be happy. We're going to address that later. But um, those things we want, a nice car, a successful job, good relationships, normal family, although I'm, I'm pretty sure that doesn't exist, um, all those are good in themselves, let me give you an illustration. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife Miriam had one of those weeks where everything seemed to go wrong. On Tuesday, the car broke down. Uh, on Wednesday, um, her she dropped her her phone and it just shattered. Like you couldn't even see the little lines or whatever. You know, she had to. Anyway, um, a Thursday, the the AC went out. I went out there and it just looked like a freezer that had frozen over, and so it was really hot. So each day, she's texting me. You know, and she's like. Honey, <laughs> you know, um, you know, this happened, this happened. And, you know, guess what I didn't text back every time? This is what I didn't text back. I'm a little bit, just a little bit smarter than this. Um, honey, uh, you, you don't need to fret. Don't fret. You shouldn't expect to have a car. You shouldn't expect to have a car, a phone. You shouldn't expect to have air conditioning, you know. 
I did not text that. Um, you know, are you feeling bad too? Well, you know, shouldn't expect to be healthy either. You know, <laughs> I just, you know, don't do that. So, you know, desire for health and comfort and, you know, things that go, well, that's, that's not a bad thing. God actually created us in the beginning to have those things. Desire itself is not bad. James 4 des- describes how or when desire becomes bad, though. When desire becomes a source of a lot of fretting. And he says this, is not the source of your conflicts, your pleasures that wage war in your members? He says you lust because you do not have. You are envious because you cannot obtain them. That's what he says. Lust. He uses the word lust. He's, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of a word of desire and epi. You know what epi means? Big or over. What he means is it's an over-desire. When something itself, in other words, becomes the object of your strongest desire over God, the object of your hope, you place something as your hope and your happiness, then you have a misplaced desire. If you can identify something in your life like that, you found a misplaced desire. Our heart is an idle factory. Yours is. It manufactures things like that, where you you set your hope and happiness you over-desire them, and those things will be the object of your um, your fretting. Because they will, they're, they're mini-gods, they're false gods, and they will not make good on their promises. Much of our fretting comes because we trust in. He used the words delight in, ultimately something that was never meant to give you hope and happiness, or significance, or love. In, in other words, you don't just want clothes, you, you want... You desire that those clothes help you to be noticed by other people at school, maybe. You don't want to just exercise to feel healthy. You, 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 you want your body to look a, a certain way because you want to be noticed. You want to be liked. You want people to say, wow, to you. You don't just want a good job. You, you, want, you want the money to make you feel comfortable and ultimately give you the safety that you long for. And oh, how healthy this is. If we can realize that is, it's, it's, it's grievous sin against God. It's, it's worship to a mini God, a false one. It's ultimate trust and delight in something that's, that's not God. And this means ultimately that fretting, it doesn't have its root in misplaced expectations or misplaced desires. It, it's misplaced trust. And that's why verse three says, don't fret, but he says, trust in the Lord. Verse 7 says, Don't fret, but be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. It's the same thing as saying, Look, Christian, trust Him. Matthew 6, famous passage on worrying, a reference next week. Jesus says, When you're worried, you that are, are, are worried, you of little faith, He says. This is a faith issue. Fretting comes from unbelief, misplaced trust. Not just knowing, just not knowing and resting in believing specific promises God has given you. And, and now, listen, this is actually good news, though. This is good news for those of you who, for those of us who are ready to identify those objects that cause us fretting of misplaced expectation, desires, and trust, and, and really ready to confess and repent of them this morning. Because it tells us how we can stop fretting so much. 
can hear and believe promises and place our trust in them. So let's look at the power to stop fretting. The power to stop fretting. Only two points. Second, last point. Let me preface this, though. Some, um, some of you feel that um, when I say this, the power to stop fretting, some of you who, especially if you're in a cycle of fretting, you feel like this is your season of life, maybe for a long time over something specific, you just can't, you're in a cycle of just, this makes you anxious. You're fretting over it. Um, you say, you say it's, it's just what I do, I fret. In fact, this sermon is making me anxious. <laughs> sermon about anxiety is making me more anxious. Let me say this. The one reason that you, you know many of us fret, we never stop fretting, is because all you do and have done to fight it is you focused on the fretting. If all you've done to battle anxiety is focus on the anxiety, th- that will never kill the anxiety. Let me let me give you um, let me give you a, an illustration. Say you're uh, one of our single single college guys over here, and you know, say you're infatuated with a a, um, a, a girl on campus. And then she has a, she has a, she gets a boyfriend. And um, every day you see her and you see the boyfriend and and it just is an object of fretting because you really think you love this girl, you want to be with her, and your friend comes and says, "Stop fretting so much." And you're like, "I can't. I see her every day in biology class. I just I can't. I don't have any power to stop fretting." And then all of a sudden, let's say your high school sweetheart moves. Or transfers into your college and she, she's a biology major and comes to your biology class and she just, all of a sudden she's, she's, she's just more beautiful in your eye. She's, she's a little bit sweeter than the other girl. And all of a sudden, guess what happens to your fretting? All of a sudden you have the power over fretting. Why? Well because something or someone in this case better, more beautiful has, has now captured your heart. In the same way, how do we stop fretting? When you allow the the beautiful and sweet promises of God to sink into your heart and you transfer your trust to them, oh, the power to stop fretting. So if you're a Christian, let me give you two sweet promises of God in this passage here. Um, If you'll trust God, number one, God will fulfill your expectations in his timing. Times 100. God will fulfill your expectations in his timing. In several ways, David says, look, things are not the way they seem in our lives. We have to see the whole picture. We've got to get an eternal perspective. Let me, let me give you a quick illustration. If you're, um, I read the book Unbroken uh, last year, and you know, just these American POWs are in Japan, and they don't have the whole picture. Their expectations were this is all wrong. <laughs> It's all going bad. But, you know, then some of the bombers start coming over. And see, the bombers had been back at the base, and they'd heard what's going on. They'd seen the plans, and then all of a sudden, they're seeing, they know what's fixing to happen. And, and their perspective, seeing the whole picture, gave them better expectations, right expectations. And in the same way, we must zoom out of our immediate circumstances and see the big picture. He says this, wrongdoers. If you're one who's getting everything you want out of wrongdoing, out of unrighteousness, he says, for those who put their hope in their life, the desires are all for this world, they look like they have it all, but behind it's wrongdoing. He says, verse 2, they will soon fade away like the grass and wither like the green herb. He says the same thing 
like that in verse 10 and verse 20. They're soon going to perish. It's like my zoysia grass. It's not like St. Augustine that has really thick blades. The sun you know, can take a beating. Zoysia is really fine grass. And the glory of my zoysia grass fades with one hot noonday sun. It turns brown. In the same, day, same way, life is so short. And the wicked are going to be just swept away. Especially, this is, this is such good news, and especially in nations where Christians are persecuted, they cling to such promises that nobody gets away with giving your heart ultimately to idols and loving this world. And especially injustice towards the weak and the poor. The heat of God's just judgment will examine us all. In verse 14 says, God will seize their day coming and he will make all things right. But he says, for those who trust the Lord, he said, you should actually have glorious expectations. Much of this promise is, in this chapter, is wrapped up in kind of an obscured uh, um, phrase. He says at least five times that you, O Christian, will inherit the land. Okay? He says that over and over, you will inherit the land. Now, this doesn't mean, uh, if you get the image like you're sitting uh, you know, your grandfather's passed away and you're sitting at his will and all of a sudden it says, you've inherited an acre of swamp land up in north, you know, Florida. <laughs> That's not the land he's talking about. They would have gotten it, um, the reader, the original readers. They would have thought about the land of Canaan, the promised land. It wasn't just about the land. In this land was wrapped up all the promises of God, of God's goodwill towards them. It'd be a land flowing with milk and honey, delicacies of the time. And God himself would dwell with them. And with God, you would have peace and rest from his great love and provision. And the promise is for us as well, O Christian, that you will inherit the land. It's this. It's a promise that God has already planned a place for you where all your expectations will be met. Your greatest expectations in this life will be met. Verse 11 expands on this. He says, look at verse 11. It says, The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Abundant peace is, the word there is shalom. You know that word? You've heard it probably plenty of times. The emotional state of all being well with you. All your needs being met. Completeness. Wholeness. It's the exact opposite of fretting. Is shalom. Have you experienced those times as well? Shalom. Isn't that what you really want? So many have everything they want in life, and they've never experienced that kind of shalom. What they really long for deep in their hearts. And it means this. Look, if you're poor now, if things aren't going right with your finances, look, it's just for a moment. Aim your expectations on the wealth you will have for all of eternity. If, if you're unsuccessful now, it's just for a moment. Aim your expectations on the honor and favor that you will have with God for all of eternity. If you have a hard marriage now, aim your expectations. It's just for a moment. And all of a sudden, all will be single and you'll be married, united to the Lamb. And you'll never have one regret. You'll never look back and say, man, I just missed out. You won't say that. Your expectations. Our expectations here on earth are just too low, it means. Or too high. But it means our expectations for heaven are too low. And here's how it's supposed to work. Look, if, if you trust this now, 
If you trust now that you have such an inheritance waiting for you, that this is the land you're, that's already in your inheritance, it's already yours, guaranteed, you will start to experience this shalom right now in the midst of the hard, in the midst of the crazy. If, as C.S. Lewis said, if you aim, if you will aim your expectations on heaven, you actually get earth thrown in. But if you, if you aim your expectations on earth, you, you actually get neither. Let me, let me illustrate this like this. I, I, say my little six-year-old daughter, uh, we go over to a house, and this happens a lot. You know, somebody has a little doll or something. The other girl has a doll that she really wants. She really wants it. Uh, and that's the only thing she can think of. It's causing her to fret because she's not getting this doll, you know. And um, she's like, oh, I just want that doll. And then just say, though, I, I lean down and I say, you know, hey, Avi, guess what? Um, we're going to go to Magic Kingdom tomorrow. Um, so, and, and how, how, how much better is, Magic, is Disney than that old doll? Um, what does that do? What does that all of a sudden do to her? Her fretting heart, the expectation of something better, of sweeter, it starts to grant her peace now. Okay, yeah, I can, I can go without that now. God, listen, listen to this. God is so committed to your good, even if it doesn't seem like it right now. He is not withholding anything good from you, Christian. To those who trust in Christ. Psalm 84.11 The Lord God is a sun and shield, beholding honor and favor. Matt preached on this last week. No good thing does He withhold to those who walk uprightly. Psalm 34.10 Those who seek the Lord, listen, lack no good thing. Psalm 23.1 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If we know the Lord is committed to us as a shepherd, we shall not want. So if you feel that he's withholding something from you, you must not fret. You must trust these promises and you must wait on him. He might be working something good. Charles Spurgeon said in a sermon, and this is pretty crazy, he says, listen, there's many a man who has gone to heaven though not having had his desires who would have gone to hell if he would have had them. It might be good that God's withholding what you really think you want. When you start trusting, when we start trusting in God's promise and resting in his future promises, it really is like cortisone to the itch of anxiety. It's like finding a strong shelter in the stormy times of fretting, a fretting heart that you may have now. It's like Philippians 4, 6 famously says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request before God. And the peace, the great abundant peace of God which transcends all understanding, it will guard your fretting heart in Christ Jesus. And this makes sense of verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's a promise to even now. If you put first, if you make the desires of your heart really this God, ultimately, above all things, your heart will start to feel fulfilled. The desires of your heart. That's promise number two. God will not only fulfill your expectations in His timing, but God will fulfill your desires in His way. I think the Apostle Paul got this as good as anyone. Philippians 1, he writes these Christians in Philippi from while he's in prison in Rome. And he tells them first, and he says, look, I am rejoicing in chapter 1. Now that, that's crazy. <laughs> Imagine your, your Uncle Bob writing you a letter and he's like, hey, I just want to, Tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm in prison now. I've never been happier. 
like, oh, Uncle Bob's lost it again. And, that, and many may have thought that about Paul. He's crazy. But it all has to do, he says, with his expectations and desire. In chapter 1 later, he says this in Philippians 1. He says, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will be set free from prison and everything will start going right? No. That now as always, that Christ will be exalted in my body. And he says this, whether in life or in death, for, t- for me to live, it's, just, it's about Christ. Die would be simply gain. How do you say dying is gain unless you know what it means to inherit a land? It's much better than this one. His ultimate expectation and desire was not health and wealth. It was that Christ be made much of through his poverty, through a seeming unsuccessful life, through a hard marriage or a difficult job. The the peace and contentment he had. We later said in chapter 4, right? Contentment in all circumstances, well-fed or hungry, sleepless nights. Contentment, he said, is better. I know that secret. For in Christ, I can do all things. Where did he ultimately get the power to say this? A few verses later, in chapter 2 of Philippians, he says this. And this is where we will get our power. He says that Jesus, who is in the form of God, and what he meant by that is he had everything. He had the land. He temporarily gave up all expectations of glory. He denied himself. He took up his cross. His expectation he took upon himself was to be humbled and to the point of death. He gave up heaven so that we may inherit it. He gave up abundant peace so that we may forever have it. On the cross, he removed the sin so that we may have it without doubt. Of anyone who says, I don't deserve it because of my fretting. When he rose from the dead, he guaranteed to us the expectation that we will forever be in glory where he is. Our inheritance is now his. And so he's able to tell his disciples who, who feel like that they've given up everything. He said, we've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. And he says, look, you will not fail to receive a hundred times, both now and in the present, now in the present age and the age to come eternal life. So the promise is to us, God will fulfill our expectations in his timing. God will fulfill our desires in his way. Let me end with a story that most of you know. Um, Many of you know this man, and the story's been told many times in a sermon, but kind of demonstrates such trust in these promises. Uh, Horatio Spafford um, wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, and He lived in the mid-1800s. He's a wealthy lawyer in Chicago. He had it all. He had a beautiful house. He had a beautiful wife. He had four daughters and one son. At the height of all things going well with him, he suffered uh, the loss of their, they suffered the loss of his son. Son passed away. Soon after, October 8th, 1871, the great Chicago fire destroyed almost everything that he had. His Inheritance, per se, here. He's, all of his investments in Chicago. Um, two years later, he decided to go with D.L. Moody uh, and, and, and also bless his family with a vacation in Europe. And so, uh, go with D.L. Moody on an evangelistic campaign in Europe. And so he sent his family, his daughters, and, and, it, uh, and his wife ahead of them. A few days later, he, he received a, a, le- a letter that his 
the ship that his family was on had collided with another ship and, and had gone down. And the letter just said, your wife had survived and all your four, your four daughters did not. On the boat um, ride over to meet his grieving wife, he wrote the famous song, It Is Well With My Soul. The lyrics, if you can see them, describes the amazing peace he had in his heart. When peace like a river attends to my way, when sorrows like sea bills row, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How did he go through such loss without fretting? How do you go through such loss in the midst of difficulty? Where's the power? Verse 2 and 4 of his song. Look at where his focus is. Though Satan should buffet, trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and he shed his blood for my soul. Lord, haste the day when faith shall be sight. See him setting his eyes on what's to come. And the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, now it is well with my soul. God is good and will fulfill his expectation in your life, in his timing, when your faith shall be sight. God has regarded his help, your helpless estate and he will fulfill your desires in his way. Entrust yourself, your expectations, your desires to this God. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would empower us to see how you did not deny anything to show your love for us by sending your son Jesus to make all this inheritance possible. Dying on a cross and rising again. We know that if you did not hold him back, you won't hold back what is our good. And we just pray you would help us trust you these promises. Pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.